There's really a theme that God put on my heart for today, which is about carrying the presence of God with us. As you know, later on, we're moving some equipment across, but that's not never the main thing when you move from one place to another. It's all about carrying the presence of God uh, with you. Um, I was going to, Jill actually left out the Ark of the Covenant for me today. It's actually packed down. She has a, a miniature Ark of the Covenant set and uh, has all of these pieces. You can see the rod of Aaron and the cherubim covers, the stones, even the Ten Commandments that would have gone inside. And uh, I just asked her to leave them out so you could kind of uh, visualize uh, some of the things we're going to be speaking about in today's message because I'm, I'm going to be speaking from uh, the book of Joshua. And as you know, Joshua was the, uh, the, the person who came after Moses. So he emerged in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers in the Hebrew is actually called In the Wilderness. So if you read the book with the end of their time in the desert, you see that it was a time where something was transitioning out. Even Moses transitioned out and only saw the promised land from afar. Now, of course, our situation isn't exactly the same as them. You know, we're not exactly entering into a foreign land or anything like that. However, when you're moving forward with the promises of God, when you're going with him, when you're following what he's asked you to do, there are similar things that will apply. The same principles will apply to them as they do to us. And so as we look at the book of Joshua, there's going to be something that we can learn from him and from that generation that will inspire us and keep us going as we go into our promised land. Now you think, well, what's our promised land? You know, where are we going and what are we even called to? Well, I've got to tell you, when I go for my walks in the morning or in the evening, I always look around. I always see all these houses where I live. And I always think, how many people here even know God? How many? You know, how many people, even if you were to tell them, they wouldn't receive it so quickly or easily? How, you know, what's it going to take to move people into God's kingdom? What's it going to take to see God's purposes established? Now, of course, one church can't do it all. I don't just mean us, one church. I mean, one singular church can't do it all. So what's God doing? Like, what does God see? And sometimes we can be discouraged. Maybe we've fought battles in the past. Maybe we've gone through personal battles. And, you, and then you come to church and we talk about moving forward. And you think, I can't move forward. I'm not moving forward in my own life. Let alone going forward with following what God's called us to do collectively as a church. And that is very much what was going on in the mindset of the Joshua generation. They'd seen what God had done through Moses. God parted the Red Sea. He fed them manna. He looked after a grumbling generation for 40 years. And, and really that's why they never entered the promised land because they never really fully surrendered to God. And he essentially allowed them to fizzle out in the desert and the following generation that came forward uh, were to learn from what the good things were that God did, but also not forget where they failed. And so when you get to Joshua chapter one, it's not a condemnation of the previous generation, but it's very much a reminder that that was then and that time is now gone. And we're now entering into a new time. And so... And so I often think 
of um, when I read this, and I'll get into it in a moment, I often think of what does God think about the previous generation? I don't mean our church. I don't mean our church leadership in the past. I don't mean that. What I mean is, what's our Moses generation? And I, and I think, when I think of the previous generation, you know, we've come to a time where so much has happened in the church. There's so many scandals coming out all the time and people you'd never expect them to. There's, there's failures, there's, I mean, you name it, and there's prosperity gospel teachers and you name it, so much nonsense, right? And when I think of, for us, what is the Moses generation to the Joshua generation? I don't think just on a local church level like us, I think in terms of what does God see has happened in the past 50, 60 years and has he had enough of that, some of those things? Are those things supposed to just die out and never come back with us when we transition into the new? Does that make sense? Are you with me? So let's read Joshua chapter 1 and you'll see exactly what I mean. So Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise Go over this Jordan, that's the river, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Then he describes the land, the borders of the land. Then he says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left hand or to the right, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I pray today you would speak through your word. You would, Lord, give me the words to say, the meditations of my heart, and the words that you put. I surrender to you now. And I pray that our ears would be open to hear what the Spirit has to say to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. When you read this opening segment of Joshua chapter 1, there are three things that God highlights to Moses, not to Moses, to Joshua, who, of course, is the servant of Moses. And he repeats the promises to Joshua. So this is what we see in this repetition of the the promises to Moses, that there's the reminder of what God has done, his testimonies, okay? There's a reminder of obeying his word, which, of course, was the, the law, the Mosaic law. And... The presence of God. Those are three things. It's remembering Moses and what all God did with them and the promises. That's the testimonies of what God did. His word, 
Okay, for us, that's the whole Bible, the complete Bible, and honoring his presence. And so as we learn from the past, we move forward. You know, God at, at this point doesn't say anything negative about Moses. He just says, look, Moses is dead, but now you are carrying on and you're carrying on with what I begun with him. And just as I was with him, so I am with you. And so you got to remember, they never entered the promised land and they weren't always successful in everything that they did. But God is a faithful God. God has not forgotten what he said, not even just to Moses, but to Abraham. And not even just to Abraham, but to Adam and Eve. And so that promise of coming into a land, it would all lead to a time where there'd be an established nation called Israel. And from that nation would come Jesus the Messiah. And he would then be the fulfillment of the Abrahamic, Abrahamic blessing to bless the nations. You know, we're only here right now because uh, a group of Jesus followers, Jewish Jesus followers, said yes to the call of God. And from there, the church, the ecclesia, as it was called, the people of God went into the whole world. And now we are the people of God's presence. Amen. So we're part of this story as well. And we're even part of the continuation and the fulfillment of those promises. And I, I want to also highlight the fact that God says several times, you know, be obedient to my word, but also remember the posture you need to have is you need to be strong and courageous. You know, we need, to, in the times that we live, we need to be braver than ever, braver than we've ever had been. But we're not just brave in our own strength, we're brave because God is with you. Do not be dismayed before the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So you see there's the testimonies, there's the word of God, and there's the promise and there's the presence of God as well. In, in Lamentations chapter three, this is when Jeremiah says, but this I call to mind and therefore I, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, he says to the Lord. You see, when you remember what God did in the past, that's why we encourage people to share their testimonies, you know, and for it to be part of what we do as part of our worship. Because when we remember what God did or when we see what God did for someone else, it reminds us he's still moving. He's still doing things. And when we bring those things to mind, we have hope. Make sure that when you're at home, you're always talking about what God did. Even when Hannah's with a friend today, as we're doing this move of equipment, and we were just talking testimonies of things that God's done for us and for other people. And you know what ha was happening? Just faith was just bubbling, thinking about these things. I was thinking, we were talking about someone we know who, uh, as a missionary, and, uh, uh, and they were traveling and they didn't have any petrol in their car and they just prayed over the car and God filled up the car with petrol overnight and they don't know how that happened. And it's just like, wow, you know, and just, you can forget these things. And the problem was the, with the Moses generation is that they did forget what God did. You know, they saw God part the Red Sea and yet they, they complained that they didn't trust God. And a journey that should have only taken several weeks took 40 years deliberately because God did not allow them this generation, this type of generation, to enter. He was looking for something else. He was looking for something different. And that's what he found with Joshua. He found a man after his own heart, a man who was listening. And God says, oh, 
you need to keep listening. Keep listening to my voice. Keep following my way. And the question isn't, is God with us? Because how many times in the word of God does it say, I'll be with you till the end of the year? Even the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. He says, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Always, always the promise of his presence. But the question isn't, is God with us? The question is, are we with him? Are we really with him? Are we doing everything he's called us to do? Now, as Pentecostals, as people who love, you know, God speaking the prophetic words, we also need to be people of the word of God as well. So we don't just, we don't just, when we get little prompts from the Holy Spirit, then do something. You know, when it says in the word of God, give to the needy, give to the poor, we don't need to wait for the Holy Spirit to tell us to do those things. He's already told us through his word, but the spirit can tell us how we do those things. So that's why the word and the spirit come together and bring power. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, it says, do not quench the spirit's fire. Do not quench the spirit's fire. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve him. That means that you can. That means that you can limit the prayer. People say no one can stop the pro- what God's going to do. But you can, unfortunately. And God wants us to carry him with us. Amen? He doesn't want, he's not just going to go. Everything he does, he does in partnership with us. And so he expects us to be fully united to him. He promises that he will be with us. But the question is, are we truly with him? And do we allow his, him to go first? Do we allow his presence to go first? I've mentioned at the start the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a large golden box. As big as this room. I'm not sure. I think it was 30 feet long. I have to check. And it was on golden poles. So it wasn't on wheels pushed along. It was carried. Signifying that we carried the presence of God with us. It was carried on golden poles so that the people couldn't get too close to it. So they wouldn't accidentally touch it, touch God's holiness, and then end up dead because of their sinful nature. And by the way, that happened a few times in the Old Testament. And so they allowed the Ark of the Covenant to go first. As you go through uh, Joshua chapters 2 and 3, how they were to enter the Promised Land, they were to put the Ark of the Covenant, the priests were carrying it first. And as the priests stood in the water, the waters parted. And the priests stayed in the water and allowed the people to go through. Interestingly, when you read Joshua chapter 3, the water stops at a town called Adam. Why? Because what Adam did and what he blocked off, God made a way through. Amen? That's just a little, little something for free for you today. You see, when we allow God to go first... See, in our services, we want God to go first. You know, my favourite time in our services is actually praying beforehand, praying at 10 o'clock. That's usually one of my my best times on Sunday morning services because he just refreshes you. Amen. And we can't do anything without him. And we should never try. We should never try. When he's promised, I'll be with you. And so, you know, when you pray in the morning, you know what you're doing? You're allowing the presence to go forward. Amen. 
You're allowing his presence to go forward, putting him forward. And then he makes the way. I don't know about you, but have you struggled to pray in the mornings at the moment? For me, that's been one of my biggest spiritual battles at the moment, is getting up to pray. It's just been, it's almost like, even Hannah said, do you think it's the enemy? And I was like, I think it could be. Because it's not even tiredness, it's just the fight for just to get up and to pray. I can pray at other times much more easily, but get the mornings has been very hard. And I wonder if the enemy has started to see what God's doing in the nations, the churches. Amen. What's been happening in our services? We've been being filled with the Spirit. People have been released. And so we're going to expect that there's going to be opposition. But God said, listen, let my presence go forward. And it was when they allowed God to go first. They allowed God to go first through the Jordan River. They allowed the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, to go around the walls of Jericho. Okay. And then they fell. So what's God saying? You need to do it my way. You need to do it my way. And the ark doesn't just represent God's presence. The tablets were inside. And so it represents the word, God's word and his spirit. So we let his word go forth. We put his word first. We follow his lead. I don't know if you remember um, Hannah speaking a couple of weeks ago. And she did a great job. And you know, she, it was like, like she shared, it was the first message that she's preached in 10 years. And I've been encouraging her to preach um, within that time. And she said, I can't do it. I can't. I'm just, I'm just worried what will happen. And she spoke. And you know, it's been one of our most watched YouTube videos so far. I think it's got about 160 views now. I think 110 of them are mine. I'm joking. <laughs> It's just so good, I just keep watching it. But people keep sharing it, people keep sharing with her. That was the word, that was a now word. Now think about this. Why was it so hard for her? Because the enemy had set up a structure of lies, strongholds, that if you do this, this will happen. Okay, now think about, think, and, I, and I believe that's what, I truly believe that's what was happening. So when you're about to enter promise, when there's breakthrough on the other side, the enemy sets up structures to stop. And that's what happened in the book of Joshua. You know, they got across the river and it wasn't just tribes and villages. It was built up cities with massive walls. The first battle they had was the battle of Jericho. Massive walls, you know. And when you read Joshua chapter 2, the spies from Israel, they go in and they meet Rahab and she essentially says, look, we all know that God is with you and God has been with you in the desert and he's going to, he's given this land to you and we're all in fear. Isn't that interesting? I, I really hadn't noticed that until I was studying it recently. That, you know, the, 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 those in Jericho and those who are in the promised land, they knew that God was giving them that land. And yet, in their stubbornness, instead of coming out of their walls and joining and saying, your God is the true God, they stood their ground and they mocked and they mocked. And in the end, it cost them their lives. Mm. However, there was Rahab who came out and said, I'm coming with you. Keep me safe. And, and really, what she was telling them, if you read Joshua chapter 2 in particular, she's saying, look, us, your enemies, we know that God's with you. We know God's going to go, you know, they know it. And listen, the enemy knows. 
that his time is short. The enemy knows we are in the last days. You think, well, that's scary, the end times stuff. Listen, the end times efforts of Satan are his last ditch efforts. Because when Jesus comes, that's it. His, his kingdom, his millennial kingdom is on the earth forever. And Satan has no authority. There won't be children being harmed by adults anymore. There won't be any of those things that Satan loves to see happening. Amen? Because Jesus will come again. And, but until that time, he will put structures in. He will go, no, no, no. You won't get past this. You think you're coming in? You think you, your king is going to rule on the earth? What breaks down? Satan's strongholds, the presence of God. But only if you do it his way. And only if you follow what he's doing. Amen? This whole world, everything you see, everything you see in the news, will change. Maybe sooner than you realise when he comes again. And it will shake up every demonic system in the world. The greed, the lies, the evil. Everything that's blocking that. You know, when you read Revelation... You know, God gives this prophetic word to those who are stubborn and rebellious. He says, come out of them and be separate. Come out of them and be separate. And we are separate from the evils and systems of this world. And, and because of that, we are in opposition to it. And by nature, we are in a posture of war. We're in a posture of spiritual fighting. And so that's when you read Ephesians chapter 6. You know, the weapons of our, of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not, they're not fleshy, not fighting flesh and blood. That's 2 Corinthians 10 and Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 it sounds just like Joshua chapter 1. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, and this is his command to you, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shoes, for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance making supplication, that means prayers, for all the saints. Amen? Amen? What you see in Joshua is that God wanted him in a posture of fighting, a posture of you are going to fight battles like you won't even, you can't even believe. And that's the same for us, and it originates in the spiritual realm, and it sometimes manifests in the physical realm. What do I mean by that? The enemy is trying to block the promises of God. We are in a move of the Holy Spirit already in the earth. We're in a move of the Holy Spirit on the earth. And the enemy will stop it. What do you think COVID is all about? What do you think? You see? And the inability to say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Where's all this come from? 
And even now we think, oh, we can't say that. But God said it's good. Amen. And we don't fight those people. We love those people. People who would say, you know, they want to, they call us our enemies. We don't call them our enemies. God never said, make a list of your enemies. And, you know, ever. Because your fight is not even with them. You are fighting spiritual forces of darkness. Those who say, listen, the church, you shouldn't open again. You shouldn't be gathering again. That's spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms trying to block. And so I want to tell you this, and it's a bold statement, but we're not going to close again. We're not going to close again. Come on, someone give God glory. I'm not saying, we don't, I'm not saying we're going to be reckless. I'm not saying we're going to be stupid. I'm just saying that we can't stop meeting. We can't stop what God's doing. We can't, because there's power when we meet, isn't there? Certainly much more power than there is online. And there's a fighting posture. There's a war ahead of us. You know, the armor of God is based on the Roman armor. And you know, the Romans didn't have much armor on their back. Like they had none. Why? Because you're only protected when you're fighting forward. Amen? I want to tell you this, that you might think, like, this all sounds a bit crazy. Spiritual forces of evil and all of this. But it is so real. And there's been many times in my life where God has showed me how real it is. To the point where I didn't even realize it was a spiritual battle. And so all of a sudden he just gave me discernment. You know, that's what this is all about. It's the enemy. Some people are a little bit everything's the enemy. <laughs> and everything's God. And sometimes people are not at all. But God wants us to be alert. That's what it talks about in Ephesians 6. Be alert. And Joshua and his people, they had three days to consecrate themselves before they crossed into the promised land. Three days. Now, why not just one day? Because that's all it would have taken, I'm sure. But it was three days. And God just wanted them to just get in that posture. Get ready. Just get thinking about what's on the other side. And, and start trusting me. Start remembering my testimony. Start remembering this word. If you've not been reading the word, like it commands in Joshua, just meditate on it. You don't have to read the whole thing. Just make sure that in this world of lies that you're putting in the truth. Amen. You're meditating on it. You're medicating on it. Amen. Because it's life for you. And to remember his presence is with you. We need to keep putting the presence of God forward. We're going to have a different format of services when we move to the next church. Right. It's going to be in the afternoon. And I know I know that's. I don't think that's forever, but even whenever there's, cha there's changes, we need to put his presence first. You know, we need to keep going with the way we're going. Amen. We need to keep him at the forefront. And I want to conclude with this thought, and it's from Joshua chapter 24. And Joshua looks back at his life and looks now that they're in the promised land and now God is moving forward. He says, this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whom in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Let's just pray, consecrate our